This episode is sponsored by Vorboss. Check them out in the description below. So I've got a question for you. So um, I, I feel like I might know what you're going to say, but I'm still curious to hear. So in terms of hiring people, right? And you said hire, hire good people. What's your view with um, bringing someone onto your team who is already qualified for the job as opposed to bringing someone on who's not qualified, but you think they could be a good fit and the personality fits? Because I think that's really important. So again, taking Barney's off camera, our, our producer over here. Barney's, Barney's a producer on this podcast and on another podcast that I do. And he had absolutely no experience with video editing or production or anything. But he had the, he had the enthusiasm and the character and the drive and the interest in the industry that he wanted to learn. And it's proven to be a fantastic decision and he's doing a fantastic job. Well Bernie. Whereas, whereas uh, Barney. <laughs> Barney. 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 Well, we should call him Barney now. <laughs> That's his new nickname. <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, which I think is, 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 is a lot more valuable than maybe just going onto a sort of a, a recruitment site and trying to find a guy who has Photoshop in his bio and, and you know, you don't really know how it's going to fit. Whereas I knew his character, which I think was more important. And obviously now that you've hired people from intermission, I know that you have hired graduates as well. Um, so yeah, could you maybe touch on a little bit sort of how you approach hiring and whether you think what, what emphasis you put on each of those factors? I am pro people that don't have the experience or don't have the opportunities. That's why Intermission was started in the first place. Mm. So I'm always going to be looking for that talent that isn't being exposed or... So I mean, I, I'm, I'm a great believer that we haven't seen the best footballer, we haven't seen the best lawyer, we haven't seen the best doctor because they never turned up or they never got the opportunity. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I'm always looking for those people. That's a clip. Woof. Yeah, yeah. I'm, good... al I'm always searching for those people, man, to give them opportunities. And like hiring is, uh, I talk about this a lot because I just I just think it's uh, a farce, man. Do you know what I mean when you kind of look for people and they they present themselves on their CV or whatever they've done these a hundred and thousand things and then they turn up in front of you, they speak a good game, then two weeks into the job you're just like, what the hell have we done? Do you know what I mean? Happens so many times. Yeah, it's... yeah, yeah. So I really think... he's he's a recruitment specialist. Nine so years in, yeah. yeah, nine years oh, in. So I've I've seen a lot of yeah, I've seen a lot of yeah. So I think that needs to be shaken up anyway. Yeah, so, you know, for me, I always go, in answer to your question, I always look for people that don't have the opportunities, but present the skills. I've got a mate, um, we grew up together, and he could sell anything to anybody, right? He's big, his name's Biggs. And like, when I got into film, because I, when I came out, I made a short film, that was one of the first things we did. And he was basically a producer on this, but he never knew he was producing. Do you know what I mean? He was talking to people, mm. making sure everyone was all right, getting people you know, comfortable doing all the kind of stuff. So charming. Mm. Um, you know, he's going through a difficult time at the moment. And I look at that and I just think nobody realised that there was, you know, a, a producer there and an excellent one. Like, I mean, he, he could top so many producers out there just by the skill that he has. But because he never got the opportunity or because we grew up where we weren't exposed to these jobs, you know, it's, you're looking at a waste of talent. So I'm always out there looking for, for talent that, that is not kind of being given those opportunities. And if you were trying to sort of so shake up a kind of recruitment process or looking for the right person, how would you, in an ideal world, go about doing that? Great question. Yeah, I mean... Hard to answer. It is a really hard question to answer. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what I do. If I look at what we do at Intermission when we're hiring, you know, like recently, well, we're currently hiring for, for, for four jobs at the moment and we're going to market for these jobs and I've had conversations with our board of trustees because the first time we went out, we didn't really get look get what we were looking for. Mm. And and it seems like we're going to the same places. And I'm just like, do you know what? I think we need, not headhunting, but kind of, we need to go out there and, and find those people ourselves. Yeah. So I would probably do that, a form of headhunting. 
you know what I mean? I think when we talk about headhunters, they go out there and they headhunt people that are brilliant at the job, that are already working mm. and doing it. Mm. But I'd like to create a headhunter that can go into places where the where where these ta- these talents are. Do you know what I mean? Where nobody kind of you goes to look. The kind of less obvious. Yeah, the lost, mm. the less obvious talent, yeah. the ones that are not working, yeah. the ones you know, the geezer on the road that's 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 got an operation and selling. You know, I mean, it's, it's not good, but might be selling drugs and controlling the whole estate. Mm. That's um. Amazing entrepreneurship. Yeah. He's dealing with numbers, yeah. clientele. Yeah, supply and know, demand. Marketing. Yeah, yeah. All those kind of things. So how do we get that person away from that, which is, you know, not conducive for their future or productive in any way, and say, actually, here's, here's another option. You know, so, I, I mean, it's, it, it will take a lot more thinking than that. And I know there'll be a lot of people disagreeing with what I'm saying, but, you know, I, I would like to have a conversation in terms of recruitment than, than that way. Yeah. You, you mentioned, um, obviously, once you're expanding, you're hiring guys and you've got all these rules and regs. But if you take it back a step, so it's just you on your own. Again, let's think of like maybe someone out there as a tradesman or a plumber specifically. And they're thinking, right, well, I'm, I'm doing quite well by myself, but I kind of want, want to branch out and start a team and, and sort of do what you did. Yeah. How do you go from being a one man band to getting your first guy on board? Yeah, um, really, it's as simple as that. You know, you take one on at a time, you know. Um, and, and you know, another business tip I'd say to anybody, if you want to grow your business, if you want to expand your business, if you want to have a decent business, you've got to employ people. There's no shortcuts to that. And, you know, it's a double-sided uh, sword on this one because the worst thing in business is employing people. But it's also the best. Mm. You know, the downside is if it goes wrong and HR and all this nonsense and people don't turn up, do turn up. Obviously, eventually, you get the right people. Mm. But the worst thing in business is employing them. Uh, but it's also the best because as soon as you've got that right, mm. your business will grow. You know, I, I don't know of any business. I'm sure there's an odd one or two. But most businesses expand and make money by employing people. Yeah. You know, and- it's not, no, you know this one-man band business, that's not really business. Yeah. And... You know, I started off employing one person. You know, I employed a carpenter to drive me around, help me while I was working. Then another person. Then, um, you know, a part-time lady in, in the office. You know, they're, they're all like stepping stones. Mm. And they're all things that are obvious, you know. Or you may know, oh, you know, your friend's not at work. He can do yeah. help you out a bit. Yeah. Important to start employing people, whether it be part-time, full-time. The more you employ the bigger your business. And just on that point, when did you know it was the right time to start employing people? That's what I was about to say, yeah. that The nitty-gritty of it, were you okay, earning a well, certain look, amount or...? Yeah, well, look, like most people, you get to the stage that there's not enough hours in the day mm. and you can't get everywhere. And I speak to tradesmen all the time and the question is, I'm running around like a blue-ass fly and I'm estimating at night and wife never sees me. That's telling you... It's telling you the obvious. Yeah. Time right? to grow. Yeah, in other words, everybody... You know, it will just hit you. It's obvious. I mean, people always say to me, how do you go from employing, how do you get to six people? And and then they come up with the same thing and say, look, I don't really want to employ people. I don't want to get an office. Uh, I don't want to buy more vans. I'm comfortable at the moment, but I've got too much work. Well, you, you, you've got a choice. Yeah. You know, carry on as you are or employ people. There's mm. there's no way around it. There's no, you know, it's, and it, it starts off as a dreadful thing, but... Then I learned in, in life that there's lots of good workers out there, lots of good people that are happy to jump on board with you, earn a good living, 
you know, then not everyone's a leader. And and some of these people that come on ball, if you look after them, I mean, I've had people work for me 40 years, 35 mm. years. It's just unknown in, in the in the sort of construction or plumbing industry. So mm. you, you, the, the, you, you, your, your mind will tell you you need to employ people. But always remember, you can only earn one man's wages. You can only do one man's work. True. So you understand what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. by having two of us all of a sudden, two lots coming in. So... It, Business is a lot simpler than what we what we think. We complicate it, you know. And at the end of the day, is it that hard to employ somebody? The answer is no. Your first hire, who was that, and why was that the first role that you hired? And how far along the journey were you when you when you made that choice? So our first hire was a woman called Trudy, um, and it actually wasn't us going out to uh, put a job out. It was someone coming to us asking if we needed help. Us sitting back saying, "Well, we've just unloaded two or three containers today. We've done all of the customer service." actually we could do with a helping hand um, but she was in customer service mm. and that was about three years into um, furniture box it's the first three years it's just the two of you yeah, yeah. amazing um, but it's i think it's so valuable those three years that set us up for the the rest of our time yeah. and um initially with that first hire it was all based on sort of the front end mm. so we realized that we were growing at quite a substantial rate and we couldn't keep doing everything so we said right mm. okay first time is going to be customer service so that takes a little bit away so we can focus on the other side of things. Yeah. And um, then it was the warehouse. So we built up sort of the front end first um, before, as the years went on, building up a marketing team, for example. Um, so it was very much just geared on, we're selling a lot of products, but we need people to help us get those out the door. Yeah. Um, but we were still heavily involved um, up yeah. until probably and about a year or so ago. And you, you can imagine it's just been Dan and I for three years knowing absolutely everything about the business and then just bringing someone else in and sort of expecting them to pick up as well and be like, oh, we know everything. But yeah. we, we learned the hard way in terms of having to to really uh, teach people and train people in, in the right way mm. um, and uh, and impart knowledge rather than uh, rather than just relying on car journeys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I think what's, what was difficult as well is that we were only 19 or 20 at this point. Yeah. Um, and when you're bringing someone in that's more than double your age and telling them what to do, it sort of feels yeah. a bit weird. Yeah, um, I bet. And we'd never had experience of managing people. Um, in terms of leadership, we you know, captain sports teams and that sort of thing. But this was our first experience of managing someone. Mm. And so that was difficult initially. And I, I think over the first year or two, we got some things a bit wrong because we were essentially best friends with our staff, which is a fantastic way to be then that made it difficult if something didn't quite mm. go according to plan or if you needed to be honest and truthful yeah. about something because you, you don't want to yeah. hurt that person's feelings. Age so, old yeah, issues. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. So how have you gone about making sure you hire the right people then since Trudy? So, including so, Trudy. So for the first about 10 hires, it was pretty much just word of mouth, just people in the in the village that we'd, we'd heard of. Um, we didn't really go out to seek any um, any particular expertise and even for the next year and a half it was all geared towards the front end of the business so in the warehouse um, in the customer service team a, a bit of HR a bit of accounting and then Dan and I realized that to really drive the business on we need to be stop stop doing all of the a lot of the back end things that are actually going to be um, be pushing the pushing the business on um, so that's all of the tech side of things all of the marketing um, all of the listings that I was talking about. So we basically built a team that was based in Bristol um, to uh, to do all of that. Um, yeah. And we probably should have done that a lot sooner um, in hindsight. Um, 
but we were uh, yeah we didn't want to give it up we quite enjoyed a lot of that i've heard a few people say that to be honest it's just really hard to actually start delegating and it's hard to know when to start delegating and actually letting go of some responsibilities i think the key as well is culture yeah and that's a huge huge thing for us so we are like a family run company um i'll sit down and talk to anyone and everyone we know every single person's name mm, in the company. yeah it's all about the culture of the company if you you might be the best person for the job but if you're not going to fit the culture if you're you've got an ego or you think you're better than someone else or you're just not going to fit in with the team and be a team player mm. then you're not not right for us and so that has really helped push us forward because our staff retention rates are fantastic and um, when someone joins furniture box they don't tend to leave mm. um, and so that has enabled us to grow much further because up until about two or three years ago we only had about 20 staff 15 staff and if those staff had left if those staff weren't enjoying their jobs we wouldn't be where we are today. So it's yeah. so important to make sure that people are happy at work. Um, and so that's always been a big thing for us. Your first hire, when did you know it was the time to hire someone? Who was your first hire? How did you kind of expand it? Because I think that's a really exciting topic. <laughs> so the first hire, bless him, was a, was a friend of mine, um, yeah. which is not always the best hire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But bless him, he was a great guy. And actually he's got his own skill sets in different things. But I hired him in because... You know, look, when you're growing a business, you've got eight hours in a day. If you're a maniac, you put 10 in. If you're even more mad, you put 12 in, mm. right? And then you're burnt out in a month, Yeah. right? So the only way you can really grow a business is by looking at, okay, if I've got eight hours and I want to do more, I can't work 16 hours. So I've got to add another eight and I've got to buy that eight in. So that's really how you should look at hiring. How do I stack time, mm. right? And, okay. and, and you want to stack time in that way. And I obviously didn't know that when I started. So I just sort of hired someone. So I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll be a bigger business if I've got people working for me, you know, it's like, like that. And and I went and hired a, a friend and it was, a, it was a bad move. I ended up um, monitoring more what he was doing and actually right. maybe less productive. Mm. You know, that was the first first hire I brought in. The second. And what was the role that you hired him for? Was it an assistant I, or I another hired, salesman? Or? I, I, I hired him for sales. Right. Yeah, I hired him to go and get more business and to get more sales. And it didn't work. Right. right, it didn't work, and the second person was a salesperson, and and that didn't work, and then the third person, at this point now, I've got two salespeople. I'm the only one selling, and mm. I'm feeding the other two mouths. To yeah. be honest, right yeah, at the beginning, yeah. and and then I hired a uh, a really good bookkeeper. Actually, was my my third hire, mm. and uh, she came on. She worked. She came and worked for me, and then she added a lot of value. And it was really like, oh my god. I've got this person and she's doing loads of stuff for me and she's amazing and you know now I don't have to worry about the books and I don't have to worry about the money now I can get on with selling and you know she's helping as well and she's really good with the clients and that was exciting you know that part of it was really really good because you get your time back as well yeah absolutely case. she was fantastic and then I ended up letting go of one of the salespeople and then I brought a a good salesperson so I finally got a good person mm. in and then he added value as well. And then we started to build. And I started to understand team building. I had no idea. Like Even when I was in the auto, and I worked in automotive, I never worked in management. You know, I had I had grown and developed and trained people in sales. Mm. But I'd never worked in management. So I didn't really understand how to manage people. And when I started out, I was a horrible manager, just so you know. But but it took time. And, and eventually I got better. And then I and then I really trained. And then I realized what I was good at. I'm, I'm a good leader. But I'm not necessarily a good manager. Mm. What would you say were some of the most important lessons you learned through that hiring process? Good question. Don't hire your friends. <laughs> and I mean it. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, and, and Sorry, Skeeth, it's time to... Pack your bags up. Pack your bags up. Barney, if you're listening, it's time <laughs> yeah. for you to go, mate. Step up. Yeah. No, I think that if you, in a partnership, mm. 
it's it's a ve- that's a, a different question. Right? Yeah, if you're if your partners, it's a different question. But hiring your friends to go and work in your business, and and it, it just creates the wrong dynamics because you you've got this drive, this passion to grow and grow this mm. business, giving it your all, and then you bring your friend in. And there's already kind of these prerequisite where you're going to let them get away with more. You're going to let them do this. You can't have the hard mm. conversation. So you're just better off avoiding that. And to them, it's a job because yeah, you can you yeah, forget that it's yeah. you forget that it's your baby. It's not theirs. Yeah. And 100%. so if you, if you bring someone in to them, yeah. it's like, look, I've, I I yeah. want to have my weekends. I want to have this. Yeah. I want to have that. Mm. Which is reasonable. Absolutely. But, you know, you can't expect them to care about it the same way you do. Absolutely. And our partnership's different. I think when you look at a partnership, you say, really, there's. Um, you know, does someone bring a different knowledge to you? Mm. I, have they got a different knowledge and skill set to what you have? Mm. That's one complementary thing. Does the person have money? So if they don't bring m- knowledge, do they bring money? Yeah. Because you need money to grow a business, right? right? And if they don't have money and they don't have knowledge you don't have, do they bring time? Mm. Because if you don't have the time, you need a partner that does have the time. Yeah, so you've yeah. got to look at those different things. Yeah. Um, so it's a different kind of analysis. But from an employee perspective... Um, to really do that right, you need to bring the right people into the right role. And that means you as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, you need to know what you need within that business. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time people don't. A lot of people do their first hires. It's like, oh my God, I'm manic. I've got so much yeah. on. I've got this paperwork coming over here. I've got this paper. Just come and help me. Come and yeah, help yeah. me. They're drowning. And then they bring someone in that's like... Mediocre. Yeah, or random. They might be good, but they never get deployed in what they're good at. Mm. You know, which is you, you might bring good people in, but when you're in that overwhelm state and you're just trying to yeah, just fight come, and, come and help me stop yeah. me from drowning, and you might be bringing in a good salesperson to come and help you f- stop you from drowning, and then they're doing paperwork and they're crap at paperwork, so you think they're crap. Mm. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, where, where, you know, so it's about deploying people in the right way and in the right role and getting the best out of that person. So in terms of hiring, you had your friends from uni. Did you sort of say, right, guys, we're doing this properly. Do you want to come on salary kind of full time? So so it was me, Brad and mum, Maxine. I always did operations. Um, Brad did tech and systems. Together we did marketing. Um, the next hire after that was weirdly like a full time so this this lady called Katie, um, she's still with us, uh, just to do community management, which probably okay. wouldn't full time community management yeah. for employees. Yeah, probably yeah, yeah. like not the best yeah. use of anyone's time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we had digital marketing agency, so that was fine, all outsourced, and we outsourced a lot of that for ages, and we still do, to be honest. Um, and then because me and Brad and Maxine were like running the business, the next hire after that was. Um, like uh, just a marketing manager, someone to help kind of just like get the content in, yeah. et cetera, like think about what we're doing next. And our channel split was so narrow. Mm. Like we didn't have any breadth. We were like 80% meta, so Facebook yeah. and Instagram, 10% Google. Okay. And then like we were trying to do Pinterest, it wasn't really working. Right. Trying to do other stuff wasn't yeah. really working. Um. But yeah, we didn't really get anyone senior in until uh, December, probably like November 2019, 2020, um, when we hired some more like senior marketing figures. Like we didn't hire our first marketing director until after our investment in December 2020. Mm -hmm. So we hired a marketing officer, then early 21, then a CEO, CFO, 
Um, and now we have like a great C-suite team, but yeah. that's only really been built in the last like year. Mm. So, and you mentioned that you were doing operations, Brad was doing tech and systems. And what was your mum's main focus? She was doing more sort of out facing things. So, like, she's really passionate about charity, right? Talking um, at events and those kind of things. Her, she's all about like the vision for the the brand, like seeing customers, etc. Yeah. Um, figuring out like she she does this thing like she goes out. She'll always say, and this is such rubbish. She's like, I don't know what I do in this business, but it's rubbish. She's the one that like goes out. Finds things, yeah, and then we're okay. like, okay, we can do it, yeah, like okay. this is how we do it, like this is how we put yeah. it into action. Um, that's why it like works. She always says, like, one of her greatest skills is realizing what she's not good at. It's a really good skill, yeah, yeah really good skill. Very so easy. she's always brought in like Brad on the web front. Me, uh, <laughs> I remember like she was like, Me, Amazon, I was like, Yeah, we do need to do Amazon. She's like, I'll try and set it up, and I was like, Okay. Uh, Amazon's a nightmare to set up. Yeah. Especially like food supplements, the regulations and stuff. Sounds like my worst nightmare. Yeah. Um, So I was like, okay, we'll we'll just, that's the thing, you just have to try, don't you? Sure. Yeah. 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 A lot of the people that we've had on have said exactly the same thing. It's just trying and failing and learning and just repeating that process. Yeah. You have to be like ruthlessly dissatisfied. Yeah. And that's something that I've had to learn. Like now we've got a big team, there's sort of 55, 60 of us. We've done something great. Like we've launched a TV ad for instance, last year. And now I'll just be like, oh, okay, let's do the next thing. Mm. That's not good for the team. Like the team need to know that like, you're proud, you're happy, this is amazing and they've all done a good job. But I'm just like, I remember actually seeing someone from the Department of International Trade that helped at the beginning, came to our office um, a couple of months ago and he was like, oh, Darcy, you've done it. Like absolute college is amazing that you've done it. And I pointed out, I went, if, if this all goes bad, there's like 50 people and families that mm. this affects like mm. until we're i don't know when i'll get to the point i don't think i'll have that point in my head like in terms of scale but i just know that there's more people in this business now to protect and that's a bigger responsibility so we can't take those risks i guess now and then so what's interesting there from a psychological point of view you don't need anyone effectively really that's true mm. right yeah um and then as soon as you start for your business, you need people and i think that is also such a great thing to have that mm. you need other people that's your more a natural state actually yeah and I, I so i thought the the process was really like humbling in a beautiful way because also i didn't have any image around like go to the bar and say oh, i work there or, yeah, 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 yeah i signed that athlete or i did this and that i was just like what do you do uh, nothing really <laughs> i'm working on this thing and it was more painful than i, w- I would have thought emotionally actually but also you need those people and then you but then and they and people are re- willing to help so I like, you know, I was just looking for, I, I, I spoke to professors and doctors, like, what do you, because the cool thing, if you launch something new, because like, let's say an energy drink or a Coca-Cola, these were launched hundreds of years ago, mm. right? Or energy drink 30 years ago. So back in then they had different signs, different habits, different things were important. Now you have sort of teams of people that you hire, whether it's people to assess art or jewelry, whatever it is. But at the beginning, you were a one man band in that, but you still need to reference people. So you said friends and family are an art dealer you knew. How do you determine when to go from sort of, let's say, having an art dealer that you know, mm. who you work with as a kind of consultant, as opposed to then hiring someone who works for the shop and then is in-house? How do you justify that cost? Yeah, I mean, it's all about economics, isn't it? If yeah. you can afford to have those people on board, I mean, it's very handy that actually some of our guys that are interested in art or have some experience in art or have previously worked for some of the auctioneers have got jewellery background as well. So that's, 
I've got sort of both right. cases, uh, both sort of scenarios covered way there. They haven't usually got just one skill. So, for example, you couldn't hire someone who was just a turner expert sitting there all day yeah. waiting for a Well, that's turn. what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, diff it's a difficult one. Um, the good thing about uh, what we've sort of created and the brand is that you you phone people and if um, you tell them who you are, instantly they're they've probably most of them have probably seen the show if they're in a biz if they're in a field that int that we've covered on the show they've either heard about it or they've watched it and they're quite helpful actually which has been uh i must say it's been a key to some of our successes that been the ability to be able to phone people up and talk to them and ask them their advice and then they say oh it's james from posh Ball, right and they say yeah and they give you advice that they probably wouldn't really just hand out freely mm. to others and that's mm. been a major help and also you know there might be things that uh, there's a guy that deals in banks that we speak to regularly and the other day he phoned me up and said well my uh wife has got a hermes bag would you be able to help me with it and we facilitated a salfa so it sort of swings and roundabouts yeah it's quite, it's quite nice quite like that yeah. what's your view with working with uh friends and family obviously you've got your boy over there who you know he said he's known you from 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 knee high kind of to an extent um, so what's that, what's that like? And, you know, it's, yeah, I think, um, there's good and bad. I mean, the bad, the, the negative side of it is, you know, you don't spend as much time with your family, you know, brothers, sisters, mum, partners. Um, the bad side is you're constantly, or at least most of the time stressed or worried. And normally you take that out on, you know, the people around you. So that's the bad side. The good side is obviously, as I said, I bought my mum a house, um, my i've given my brother and sister a shop um like a flagship store in clapham high street that they run and you know make money out of so that's obviously a positive um i've given my other sister um another shop um in surrey she done it for a while made some money but decided it wasn't for her these but, are franchises of, of yeah, far away obviously they're not paying anything to me right yeah, yeah of course yeah sisters, but i've set up a shop for them you know basically just that's really cool yeah. Cool. So you basically built a fire away and then we're like, yeah, you run it. Yeah. That's your business, basically. Yeah. Oh, I love that, man. Yeah. And my other brother, I mean, I've given him uh, Holland, the master franchise. So any kind of applications okay. that come in, he deals with. And we've got a shop over there in Amsterdam that, you know, he goes over and checks. So there's there's positives and, and negatives. Um, you literally put on all your people. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> bro you bought your mama house and then you've also put on all your people that's actually just you've done that's the dream yeah it must Im sort of imply somewhat more of an uptick and a bit of a boost in your industry given the fact that people are staying at companies less than they used to it's a good and a bad right you know i think i think um like i talked talk about i guess both as a recruiter and an, an employer um, stability or some stability to an organisation is really really important so everyone job hopping all the time mm -hmm. is is not good um I think you know culturally having uh, being less fearful of of taking risk is a, is a good thing. You know we we don't have a hardwired entrepreneurial dynamic in in the UK as you know some might argue the, the US has. Mm. Uh, we have a greater fear of failure, and failure definitely carries more stigma over here than it does very true over, yeah. over there. When were you ready to hire your first employer? Again, too late. <laughs> yeah. as, as everyone says when they come on, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's quite I'm, common. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Um, yeah, so I quit my job in kind of March 2017, um, went full-time and then hired member of staff September that year. Okay. 
so there was a few months of me doing it solo what was the first role that you hired for an operations executive which means do absolutely anything yeah. and yeah, everything and he he was great he was out there in the snow refurbishing bikes with me he came to work in our flats which right. was very odd yeah. but very uh, startup-y yeah for, exactly yeah, very, very startup-y, startup-y. And then we had an intern that Christmas as well, who then came on full time after Christmas. What is your hiring process and what, what kind of things do you look for when you're looking to expand? So I think um, two things. So we look for technical competency, but being, I, I describe it as like top decile talent. I know this sounds very obvious, but actually really, really hard to hire find. I'll explain what that means in a minute. And then values fit. So do you act and have you shown in the past that you've acted in line with our yonder principles as well and we we evaluate you on both of those and so our process is we do a hiring manager screen we treat it as like a two-way interview we do a technical interview we do a values fit and then typically a case those are all done by different people so typically you'll be interviewed by at least six seven different people and then we do a consensus and so essentially we will all sort of do one two three thumbs up thumbs down and then provide the feedback and the idea is that you try not to bias different interviewers' um, sort of feedback because it's all done independently. And then you say yes, um, yes or no. And actually, we've failed people who were great technically but failed at least fit, for example. And actually, many have failed for that reason. Uh, the hiring manager has full autonomy there. They can ignore the feedback. But generally, they want to ignore the feedback. And we also do reference check. And reference check is not an optional thing. It is This is a core part of your mm-hmm. interview process. So it's not a... Oh, you know, normally it's a, you get a job offer subject to reference checks. It's no, 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 you don't have a job offer. We are now doing reference checks. We will then decide whether you have an offer or not. And actually, we generally don't want you to have good references. We generally want to get to a point where we understand that you've had, when I say good, I mean, we want to get a full picture. Everyone has strengths and weaknesses. Everyone has areas they need to grow in. Our goal by the end of the interview process is to have a full picture of who this person is. And we're not looking for the perfect person. We're looking for someone who recognizes what they're great at, but where they need to grow as mm. well. And part of our reference check, we actually want to get feedback to know they're really good at these areas, but these are the growth areas they have. Mm. And I would generally say we don't stop, we shouldn't stop asking for references until we have gotten to the point where we go, oh, I know they're growth areas. Because for me, going, it's all good is actually not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't know how to grow that person when they join Yonder, because joining Yonder is step zero. Growing at Yonder is the most important part of the journey. And so we want to know where your growth areas are and do you recognize them. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's kind of like from a process wise, it's not particularly innovative. I'd say it's definitely similar to interview processes of the likes of Google or other tech companies. I think one thing that we've, I think we've done a great job of is spending time training our team on how to interview really well. So every person who interviews, one would do an interview training and two would pair with a more experienced interviewer and then have a bit of a debrief on like questions they might ask and things like that. So we really want to get people to think about how they interview as a skill and also focus on depth rather than breadth. So meaning each sort of person you interview. So let's say I'm interviewing you today. My goal is not to get through 20 questions. My goal is to get through like one question and then go really deep on it. It's like, why did you do that? Tell me a bit more. What mm. happened? Like, why, how did it make you feel? Because they're in the same so way. Like in a therapy pro- in a way. Mm. Kind of sort of, because I, I, I care more about not so much just what they did, but like why they did it. And one of the things that we look for is like trajectory and trajectory meaning like how fast have you tr- sort of grown in your skill set? And that doesn't mean pure levels and titles and salary, but it does mean development. 
And generally, I'd say generally, we can pick up pretty quickly whether someone can demonstrate that they've learnt over the last two years and, and have a really steep sort of steep learning, like sort of steep growth curve. Uh, and I always say like everyone at Yonder should have a really steep growth curve because Yonder will grow really fast and we need everyone to grow faster as individuals and Yonder is growing as well. Yeah. And so always looking for demonstrable examples of that. And you can definitely see that because if you go through someone's CV and you pick up different sort of, you know, classic behavioral questions, like tell us the time you did this, but you pick up different ones and you go back and you'd hopefully see progression in their development through that. Mm. And the red flag for me is actually seeing no progression. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, we spent a lot of time going, like, hey, tell us about the biggest screw up you've made, but what did you learn from it? Tell us what you learned, because I, I don't care about whether you made a mistake. I want to know how you use that data to then inform how you make decisions in the future. It also makes it way harder to bullshit if you go deep on one question rather than, you know, Definitely, a lot of people, yeah, lot of people you, can, you, can, you can suss that up pretty quickly. Yeah, you can yeah. blag 20 surface level yeah. questions, but if you get quizzed on one question for 20 minutes, it's hard to bullshit your way out of that. So that's a, that's a really good process. Yeah, we interviewed someone a while back who said uh, the two most important departments in their company were recruitment and HR. So just hiring and firing because he said that will be the core of like what makes your business like win or lose. Um, on the back end of that then, um, in terms of letting people go, how do you handle that process and what advice would you give to people when it comes time to that? And how do you know when it's at a point where it's time to let someone go and when growth isn't, isn't an option anymore? So I think there's a couple of lens of it. There's the legal lens. There is the, and then there's sort of the, the, the principle and then there's sort of the execution. I'll kind of talk about this all separately. Um, so the legal one first. Firstly, there are strict employment laws around firing and I would always highly recommend get legal advice. We've had to like, so I go in the past and say, one of the things you do is like, just make sure you have the correct process. Um, it seems trivial, but a lot of startups just kind of cut corners and that can bite in the ass two years down the track. Second one of the core principles we had was we want to make sure we keep the talent bar really high at the company. And so this Netflix term, like talent density, we want to make sure that everyone is there is superstar, like amazing. And actually our belief is that a person who's just average or below average is even if it doesn't, you know, from a total cost, salary cost isn't that high, is actually net worth for the entire culture of the company. So we would rather let them go. Um, and so actually, the sort of, sort of building that sort of couple of principles, um, we would rather leave a role unfilled than filled with someone average, which means that we will take short-term pain over filling a role just because of a need. So we actually won't fill roles because we have business need. If we don't find the right person, we will just suck it up, push through until we mm. find the right person. Secondly we would generally err on if it's not working out, make the decision quickly, but be generous with severance. So we don't want to leave someone in a personal situation where they're financially sort of struggling. So offer them really on a generous severance to be like, look, it's just not working. You can go on the formal performance review process. You can go, you know, that sort of performance improvement on a PIP, or you can take a generous severance. And for us, the idea is that, look, I have in my... 12, 13 years of working experience. I've never seen anyone go from a pip to becoming like a superstar. At best, they become average. And so, and we don't want average people. So, I thought, look, this doesn't work out. We ca you can do the pip and you're legally permitted to go on the pip. But we don't think, you know, necessarily you're going to thrive here. You'll survive, might not thrive. Here's a generous severance to help you go find another job. And so we kind of offer that really early on. And part of that is because I still take the responsibility of our decision to hire them in the first place is our fault. So if we hired them and they didn't work out, that is on me, that is on my management team, that is on the hiring manager for not finding that person. And this person has quit their job 
joined you and has taken the risk. Mm. Therefore, it is our fault that they're not the right fit. Therefore, we should make sure we financially support them, help them find a new job. It doesn't mean they're bad. It just means mm. it's not a good fit. Um, and then I think, yeah, and then 30 different process-wise, I think we've just had to be a lot more structured with it. So we take notes down. We have a people team of currently one, but you know we're very strict on like just making sure we have all the facts. I think it's not something you should take lightly, but also it's, it's something you should sit on your toes for for too long. So part of it is just write all the facts down, make a decision very quickly, speak to the person as quickly as possible, and write a script. So this is the one time when being ad-libbing, improvising is not recommended. Follow a strict script because you want to make sure that you're very sensitive to that person's needs. Mm. Um, you know, I would definitely say we're not expert on this. There are entirely great blogs on how to fire well. Mm. Uh, I think there's a really good book called Trillion Dollar Coach and I think he talks about how to like hire and fire really well. And, and part of it is it's a skill you just need to get good at. Um, we haven't had to, to do it often, but I would just say like for us, the core principles remain there, which is, we only want a team that is excellent. So therefore we will exit people quickly if they're not yeah. working out and not excelling, but we should personally care for them. So therefore make sure they're financially supported as well. How do you view that university now then when you're looking at people for jobs? Well, it's really tricky, right? Like I, I, I something I say quite often at work is, is you know, we, we work really hard to remind people there's a big difference between um, intelligence and education. So we have a lot, and particularly in our business, you know, we I think we seek out we kind of we seek out the good deals right so we seek out people who are super intelligent and generally quite often undereducated um because as a business we've taken the approach that we're always willing to train people so you know there are, there are exceptions to that and there are certain roles um but we certainly bias towards experience intelligence and attitude and education you can fix and you can sponsor and you can pay mm-hmm. for or you can do in-house which we do in a lot of cases so um we're a slightly odd business for for that i suppose 